Welcome into the For the Throne Dynasty podcast, starring your defending champion, Cascade Bear, Stirk Daddy, Justin STP6, Andy Pollock, Randy Santarelli, D. Slackey, the debut of House Deets, Candle Still Lit, Little Slads, WGL 1035, Prince Palmer 17, Lefty 79, and Bucks in 6. Hello folks and welcome in to the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. I am your guest host this week, uh, Will, WGL 1035, and this week we'll be highlighting our commissioner's team, the one, the only, the legend, Bucks and Six. Logan, how are you tonight? Doing good. I'm still living. I'm uh, still a little lively after that candle still lit podcast. It was a it was a great debut for Johnny. You'll have to apologize. I'll have to apologize. I uh, first time doing a host like this for your podcast. I have a lot of expectations to live up for. But without further ado, let's let's get started with highlighting your team. Um, it has changed multiple different times. I can remember it being All Elite Fantasy. Uh, <laughs> now it has been renamed and rebranded to Sorry About That Dash BB. Uh, so let's let's kind of dig into obviously the start of this league. There's all of us come from all different sorts of directions. We basically spent freshman year together. That's relatively it, but we have remained close throughout time, and you wanted to start another league. So can you give me a little better understanding as far as what prompted you to want to start this league? Yeah, so, you know, it's it's kind of funny, actually, how it started. Um, I still remember, and for those that know me and, like, my fantasy personality now, they'd not believe this, but I used to be a pretty diehard Matthew Berry fan. Um Primarily because uh, he was the only, you know, really fantasy football analyst I knew of. So I did listen to a lot of their podcasts on a daily basis. Um, but obviously the the industry of the fantasy football world has really gotten saturated. And, um, you know, I love comedy. I love being able to laugh about a lot of things and have fun. Obviously, that's the reason why we get into fantasy football. It's the camaraderie. It's, you know, being able to look back on things, being able to just talk about random shit that happens, knowing the NFL changes on like a daily basis. Um, and I kind of found that with the fantasy footballers. So uh, a lot of people that, you know, kind of know me for my fantasy football interests. Uh, fantasy fo- footballers is really like my, my ride or die. Uh, it's three guys. They're all dads, which is good because they have, like, dad humor. Uh, they live in Phoenix, so I enjoyed trolling them for, for quite some time about the uh, the Bucks and the Suns series. Uh, I nearly got blocked by Mike Wright, who's one of the uh, fantasy footballers. He, uh, he threatened to block me during our run at that title. Um, but... You know, they're just funny guys, and uh, the the point I'm trying to get at is when I used to listen to Matthew Berry, um, 
Mike Clay, his name is. He's one of the ESPN analysts. He always had like a mini section on a Friday about Dynasty. And I had no clue what Dynasty was. So I used to like Matthew Berry. I used to think he was funny. I'm an idiot. But um, and whenever I'd get to the section on Dynasty and Mike Clay would come on, I would immediately skip over it. So I'd like either stop listening to the episode or I'd just go on to the next segment just due to their timestamps that they put on the episode. Um, but then once I started talking or listening to the fantasy footballers, Mike Wright, who is my favorite fantasy footballer, he talked at length about Dynasty and you know how awesome it is to basically take on the role of almost being a NFL GM. Obviously, we are doing it from a fantasy football perspective, but you really make the decisions on trades you got to make, uh, you you make the decision on you know are you going to be a contending team and you know do the the routes necessary to hopefully be contending or do you want to rebuild and that's completely your decision. I know this is a long winded answer, but regardless, um, I started doing a little bit of research and reading in on dynasty and like you know how to set up the perfect league, how a lot of people do it differently, um, a lot of different preferences, different setups like. As we've talked about, Will, before, I know you and I really don't like Superflex. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I'm, I'm completely against the Superflex. So Superflex, for those of you that don't know, you do have the ability to start two quarterbacks. It really puts more value on the quarterback, um, which obviously makes having multiple quarterbacks very, very important. Knowing that quarterbacks, even the worst ones, can score you you know, 20-ish points on a weekly basis. We, I really didn't like that. I've always been a PPR guy. I still remember uh, when we first started the Dubs Finest League, which was a Whitewater Fantasy Football League. It started as a standard league uh, where you literally only score points for yardage and touchdowns, and I thought it was putrid because it doesn't really measure every single aspect of the game. Um, I've always been a PPR guy. I know some people are half PPR, which um, it's, it's also – I like half PPR as well. Sorry about that. It's my preheat alarm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of viewed it as this was an opportunity for me to at least just try it. And I, I gathered together, you know, Justin obviously being my best friend from college. Um, he'll really do anything that I enjoy doing. So I knew he was a buy-in. Uh, Ryan obviously being a good friend from, from college as well. Um, I, I even connected with a couple of people, uh, Garrett, I know he was a fantasy football guy with me being in his, his league, um, for a couple of years. Um, and obviously him and I coming up through uh, business education, both being teachers. Um, I thought he'd be a good asset to add and clearly he's, he's been so, so I'm, I'm really three for three right now. Um, I asked Tyler, I know Tyler and I have been pretty close. Jake and I, we've been very close through softball and just random shit that we talk about. Um, so I, I was starting to build a base of, of people that I thought would be be good. And and it was it's no offense to you, Will, because obviously you've been by far one of the best assets that we have in this company because you are so active. Um, and it, it has been really great to reconnect with you. But, um, you know, I was like, we were getting to the end, and I'm like, we just need a couple more teams. And I know you watch football, obviously, being a Packers fan. And honestly, we had not talked much before that. Um, I don't even know when the last time we talked before I actually formally asked you to join the league was. Um, 
But regardless, I kind of explained the whole concept to you. You were kind of, I think you were a little uneasy because you didn't really know much about it. And then obviously with us not talking for a long time, um, you might have had a little bit of pause, but eventually you ended up joining the league and, um, you know, kind of shaping out our last our last couple spots. And um, really the history from that point on has, has been there. I mean, we've only... We've only had to replace, uh, we've, we've had only 10 of our, or we have only had two from our initial members be replaced, um, both, one of which has had three different managers, but, you know, we got, you know, Randy, we got Andy, I mean, um, she just loves fantasy sports, you know, Randy, obviously being a good friend of mine from, from college, Danny, I mean, he's just a zoo when it comes to fantasy football, but, you know. I think I built a pretty good base and obviously with me being the commissioner, this is going to be a little longer of a section, but um, you know, I feel like we have a really, really good group. And the fact that we have 10 people that have made it through three years, and I don't think any of them, maybe one or two has considered even leaving the league. I think that really goes to show how, how valued our league is, but that that's just really what it is. I mean, dynasty, it's almost like a family. I like to consider it, you know, where we, are all having conversations over text in chat about who knows what it could be about, you know, what's going on in your personal life. We've heard plenty of stories about Justin and, and the fuckery that's going on with, you know, the, the variety of schools that have, you know, screwed them CISA seven or whatever it is. Um, you know, <laughs> just a lot going on. And, and I feel like we all can share just a lot about our personal lives as well, which, which is also great to, to speak on behalf of the league. But really, that, that's what it came down to. I mean, it's a great league, and, and I'm glad that those of you that are listening have taken value in this league. Yeah, and I'm going to just say right now, there's a wealth of knowledge and there's a wealth of opinions here in this league, and that's what that's what makes this, makes this league great. And not to mention now there's a podcast associated with it. Hell, I never thought I'd ever be a part of a sports podcast, yet, yet here we are, and it's just another thing you know the, that you can do to help pass the time. Hell, even with COVID and everything else, it's just great to talk football once again and, you know, start to look at all the prospects that are going through college and all these players that are going to, you know, come out of nowhere and make impacts. I mean, that's what makes this league great. I know I've always been doing redraft leagues, but this is the first true league I absolutely love. And I hope to again, to continue to be a part of for years to come. So without further ado, let's kind of look at, digging into your team i think when when we're looking at well i well i just wanted to interrupt one last time i i know that obviously a lot of us have been have been struggling due to you know variety of issues you know mental health it could be covid related but i think that the one positive regarding our league that came from from covid was definitely this podcast i know not every single person in our league listens you know at all or every single week but you know like you just made mention of it's to add to the camaraderie and like you and Justin and myself, I know we just love doing it. And, you know, Jake, when he came on for that one episode, he loved doing it. Johnny, when we were done, like, I know he like jumped out of his chair. He was so hyped up. He's like, wow, that was actually really fun. And I think it adds another element to our league just to add more entertainment and, you know, just spitballing to be honest. And it's also fun to kind of go back in time and and listen to prior episodes, maybe even going back a year from now. And just seeing, you know, how much the league has changed. Um, that's always fun to look back on too. So yeah, for sure. Let me let me go back to what I had asked you from about our, you know, starting about you know our startup draft. 
when you put these names together, they were randomized from what I remember. Yep. And you initially, you drafted your, or you were in the fifth spot. This was obviously a snake draft, but you decided to make a trade to that grab the first player taken in this league who ended up being Saquon Barkley. Give me your thoughts on Saquon <clears throat> Barkley at the time. Um, he finished the year prior as the top running back based off of his rookie campaign. What were your thoughts when you had the opportunity to take Saquon? Yeah, so clearly at the time he was the clear-cut um, number one option. I'm just trying to pull up the the startup draft here just to kind of see <clears throat> what his age was at the time. I think, um, well, right now he's 25. Does that sound accurate? So that would mean yeah. that he was what 22 when we started the league um he obviously if, if you look back to 20 would have been 2018 um he was a rookie and he was literally the number one running back um in fantasy i did get in that second year you know running back 10 but then outside of that he's been kind of a kind of a mess since then um i i definitely was focused on when it came to my startup, I wanted to get two uh, franchise pieces, you know, ones that I would consider to be the focal point of my franchise. And I definitely think I accomplished that by, first of all, trading up to get Saquon. Um, I don't necessarily know what the trade was in which I moved up to the one. Did you have the details on that or no? If you didn't, it's okay. I don't. Okay. I don't. No. But regardless, it included, you know, me trading. It was me and Tyler who Tyler in turn ended up taking Melvin with the 105. Um, But Saquon, I really consider to be a key franchise piece. Um, He's definitely fallen fallen off since 2019. Uh, But the second piece I wanted to later get would be Patrick Mahomes. And I know we're going to talk about that a little later. But like I said, I was really going off the basis of his rookie year. He was literally the running back one. And that was huge uh, for me to try to get him because i knew for a fact that 105 there's not a chance i was getting him there yeah outside of that your top running backs that were going to fall on that board were saquon zeke uh christian mccaffrey camara and then gordon um so at the time i think a lot of us felt like you had the best pick and the best back off the board um which again you know we'll we'll, we'll talk more about that later as far as what happened after his rookie campaign but moving to the second round, as we rounded the snake draft, you took your first wide receiver. And I know you're a big Chargers fan, yep. but how much impact did Keenan Allen have um, for you grabbing him there in the second round? So I just wanted to take one quick step back. If I would have stayed at the 105, um, honestly, I would have taken Gurley. <laughs> so I am wow. actually glad that I did make that trade. Um Talking on behalf of Keenan Allen, so in 2018 and beyond, he was the wide receiver 12 and 3. He was a key focal point for the Chargers back when they had Phillip Rivers. Um, I mean, he was coming off a 97-catch campaign. Before that, he had 102. And then the last three years, obviously I haven't had him for all three, but he's had 100 catches. So he's a clear good option for PPR leagues. He's 6, 14, and 10. Having a wide receiver two, borderline wide receiver one, is a safe option. So, I mean, if you look at the guys that were around it, 
I feel like I made the best decision. I wasn't really debating on Amari Cooper because I've never been like a huge fan of his. Um, I would have the only other position I was really weighing at that point was tight end. I would have probably taken Kelsey at that point. Yeah, because I know a few picks down the road it was uh, was Kittle that was taken by Rowdy there, but um, kind of a safe bet to go with Allen, especially in that pass heavy offense. As we go further into the draft, the third round is what I would probably argue with you as being maybe the most important. Um, as we made the round um, to round three, and with the second overall pick in that round, you took Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Easy, easy decision, no questions asked. Uh, best quarterback, he's definitely was on another level and still is on another level. Looking back, Not- honestly, it was kind of it was kind of a reach. Just knowing that we're not a super flex. Um, but as I previously made mention to, he was definitely a guy I wanted to use as a as a franchise cornerstone. Um, so, you know. Wait, why does it say t- team two? How did I how did I get him? That's what I'm kind of wondering about. So from what I remember, there was a trade that took place. I'm just trying to see um what was all involved so you got rowdy's third round pick interesting so then you traded away your your sixth round and your seventh round picks wow so i actually honestly that probably was a pretty good deal so my six and seven that was alan robinson cream hunt yeah so if Mm. you if you look back on that it's basically a patrick mahomes for hunt and robinson so which is pretty fair Um, to be honest at that time yeah yeah exactly so I think you ended up okay. Um, then going to your second pick in that round, in the third round, you ended up going with Stefan Diggs, who I believe at that time um, had just been traded to Buffalo. Hmm. So this would have been, what, 2019, right? Yes. So 20, yeah, 20, you're right. So 2019 was his last year with Minnesota. So I got one final hurrah with the Vikings, and then he ended up going to Buffalo. By the time he was in Buffalo, though, I had already traded him to D. Slatke. So I really got one year of production out of him with the Vikings. I don't necessarily know the timestamp in which I tra- – oh, it looks like um, I traded him in October. So, honestly, I probably got like a month and a half of Stefan Diggs and the Vikings um, and then gave him away. <laughs> so I really drafted him, and then I traded him away about a month and a half later. So you didn't have a pick in the fourth round. That pick was traded to Randy, and Randy in that spot to Darius Geis. Nice. You know, we all we all have our thoughts about that. But then your next pick came in the fifth round, and with that you took Wisconsin Badger running back, who played for the Patriots or who was playing for the Patriots, and James White. The thing I love about James White was that he was Tom Brady's dump off target. Yeah. Oftentimes you knew that he wasn't going to get a lot of handoffs, but you knew he was going to get a lot of uh, receptions out of the backfield. So what were your thoughts about taking uh, White there? So 2018, he was coming off a running back six performance. Um, he only rushed for 425 yards. However, he had 87 receptions for 123 yards. Not very productive uh, with his catches. Or no, sorry, that would be targets. He had a oh my god, he had 123 targets in 2018. Caught 87 balls for 751 yards. So that's really what his oh my god, and he had seven touchdowns. Uh, so that can definitely make sense why he was the running back six. 
So I was kind of living off of that. And definitely what you made mention of, which I know you value as well, is running backs that catch the ball uh, versus running backs that are just going to get a ton of carries, like a Derrick Henry or a Nick Chubb. Um, so I was, again, as you kind of see a theme here, riding off of the previous season's high uh, running back six, I kind of, to be honest, looking back, overdrafted him. But if you like, if you look who was in the area, I could have gotten Calvin Ridley, who was productive for a couple years, Chris Godwin, um, DJ Moore, who would definitely be a valuable asset for me right now. Um, those are three good options right there. In terms of the running backs, there wasn't really much in that area that would have been in consideration. Again, I think a lot of running backs went early, so this was probably your best decision to go here. Um, but with that being said, we moved to the sixth round, and it looked like there was a trade you made with Rowdy. I apologize, I don't have that documented, but at this point, you needed a tight end, and there were some tight ends that were starting to fly off the boards. We mentioned Kittle was gone, Kelsey was gone, um, but you decided to go with young and promising Evan Ingram. Yeah, so uh, 2018, he was coming off the tight end 13 performance. 2017, he was tight end 4. So not a great performance in 2018, but we know tight end is kind of a complete landfill, to be honest. So it's kind of a crapshoot, and you got to just take your your losses where they come. At the time, he was 24. Um, Looking back, it was a very bad trade. I ended up flipping him for Travis Kelsey, though, in retrospect. Um, So obviously that was a good move. However, in the sixth round, uh, I was kind of just going with the fact that I didn't take one of the top tier guys, so I was just going on youth. Uh, I don't really like that pick, but again, in turn, it did turn me into Travis Kelsey, who kept turning into more picks afterwards. So at this point, you had your quarterback, you had your two running backs, uh, you had a couple wide receivers set, and now you're starting to look at filling those flex pieces. In round seven, you ended up going with Dante Pettis and then Chris Carson. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a couple things about those guys and why you made that decision to go with Pettis? So Travis Pettis, or uh, Travis Pettis, Dante Pettis was just straight up a bad pick. Uh, it's pretty obvious. Uh Again, knowing that I'm kind of biased to the fantasy footballers, they were very, very high on him. Uh, <laughs> he was coming off of a wide receiver 71 performance. So I was just li- literally with that pick, I think I actually traded to get that pick, to be honest, uh, with Ryan. I was riding off of the the hype that the footballers were giving me. Uh, clearly, that was not a good decision. So that Dante Pettis pick was not good because he did nothing afterwards. Well, you did kind of make up for it by taking Chris Carson. Yeah, so Chris Carson, he is undrafted running back, uh, but Seattle really found a a nice gem in him. He's coming off the running back 16 performance, and then 2019 when I had him, he was running back 12. Um, I ended up eventually getting rid of him. I believe it was in a trade for James Conner. But he rushed for 1,200 yards in the one year in which I – really used him um and he's been a he's been a solid running back but he's also been pretty hurt as of late obviously not having him i can't really relate to that but um yeah i see you have a point here he hasn't really played a full season yet which is not good for a undrafted running back um in his future the seattle seahawks gave him the the bag but 
Um, he's not on my team anymore. But yeah, I mean, it was it was good at the time. So you obviously with all the moves that you made, you forfeited some picks or traded away some picks. Your next pick would then come in round ten, within uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and their young wide receiver at the time, James Robinson. Uh, James uh, Washington, excuse me. Yeah, so James Washington is another guy that did have some underlying potential uh, with Pittsburgh. He's obviously still there. Um, but, I mean, if you look at the statistics, he didn't do anything that was uh, over the top. He was 22 at the time. So, again, drafting just a young guy with some upside. Uh, he has had a couple games where he's flashed. But overall, it wasn't a, really a franchise piece or a guy that I uh, valued for my franchise. So uh, I think I ended up trading him as well. I think it was in a deal with Tyler. Um, but yeah, James Washington, um, he might have a little bit of potential. He's still only 25, but not a pick that I definitely uh, took any value from. So I just have a few other notable names here. I didn't mention any IDPs yet, but I, I'm just trying to look back here right now. It might have been that your first IDP came in the 16th round um, with DeForest Buckner, okay. who was with the Niners, um, who had a pretty good, um, pretty good season in San Francisco. Um, the defensive lineman now he is in Indy. Um, but, but just other notables that we kind of had on our list here was Naheem Hines, who you took in the 11th round, uh, Deshaun Jackson in the 12th, Chris Herndon in the 13th, and then I also threw on there the Red Rocket, Andy Dalton. <laughs> very nice guy in uh, round 20. Very, very nice guy. Yeah, so um, there's two guys I want to touch on here. So Naheem Hines and Chris Herndon, uh, both for completely different reasons. So Naheem Hines... When you hear Naheem Hines, Will, what do you immediately think of? I think of the Indianapolis Colts. And what do you think of being his strength? Um, well, at the time, from what I remember about him, was just that he was a very he was an up and comer, um, and really he was just a pass catching back. So there's the point right there. That's literally the only reason I drafted him uh, was the fact that he catches the ball. And being a PPR league, I was just trying to get a little bit extra running back depth. Um, eventually ended up getting rid of him, but, uh, yeah, Naheem Hines, I, I really, really liked him. I didn't, just because he, I think he actually had like a really outstanding, you said the 11th round? He was in the 11th round from what my... Uh, looks like the, looks like the 13th right now. Oh, I, my, no worries, no worries. So, yeah, so I drafted him in 2019, right? So he finishes as the running back 41. The very next year, 2020, he finished as the running back 15 so i mean running back 15 he caught the ball 63 times uh kind of a down year to be honest if that was happening and he's only honestly do you still have him on your roster yeah he's still on my team he's 25 so you know he's still very young he's definitely gonna have some value as you can see with marlon mack was still young and they dmpcd'd him so many times um but yeah, I liked Naheem Hines a lot from what I saw. Um, the other was, player, oh sorry, continue. That, yeah, that was literally from what I remember back in 2018, 2019. I mean, it's been so long. Um, 
he was literally in a timeshare. Mm -hmm. So um, I know Mac was their ground and pound, and this was way before Taylor came to town. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was kind of surprised by the pick. I was surprised he got picked that far into the draft um, and that he's kind of lasted this long already. Yeah. The other pick I wanted to make mention of was Chris Herndon. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but, like, he was my – I have to draft him in every single league sleeper because he was on the Jets. Um, and he was young at the time when I drafted him. He was 21. So I drafted him at the age of 21. He just turned 25 this year. Um, he's currently on the Vikings. I don't know if he's still under contract or not. But uh, I loved Chris Herndon. Uh, again, primarily because a lot of analysts were hyping him up. But that didn't really work up at all, and I ended up actually cutting him. So that was uh, a null point. And any other, Andy Dalton these, is just a very nice guy. Any of these other picks that you'd like to talk about, like uh, Isaiah Crowell or um, <laughs> HaHa Clinton Dix? Oh, my God. I think the, a lot of those were just meme picks. HaHa Clinton Dix was a safety. Was he, he's a safety, right? At the time, he was playing with the Packers, yeah. Okay, so um, if you look at his ranks, uh, 9, 14, 16, 33, 16. Yeah, so it wasn't too good, but I kind of was just going off the fact that he was a safety. And from what I had been researching at that time, safeties score more fantasy points in IDP leagues than corners. Um, obviously, we've completely bulked up our scoring for IDPs, but uh, that's kind of why I picked him. Isaiah Crowell, no idea why I picked him. I think he was actually a free agent at the time I took him. So once our supplemental draft, I like to call it the supplemental draft. Uh, once that was complete or the startup draft was complete, we then had our own separate rookie draft. Now you only had three picks here in 2019. Um, you ended up trading that first round pick to Tyler. Um, if I remember right, just so, um, or he traded I don't know, do you remember the details of that trade? Um, yeah, so he, I must have traded to, to Tyler, and then in turn, I think Tyler traded to D Sladke because uh, that first-round pick ended up going to D Sladke, and he took Dwayne Haskins. So that was nice. Maybe the future quarterback in Pittsburgh. I guess we'll see. But you made three selections in that rookie draft, and I think the most notable – that I would say um, that you made was the first pick of the second round, and you ended up going with Damian Harris, mm -hmm. who was a rookie out of Alabama who went to the Patriots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, so if I look at the history, I drafted him, and then I cut him. I cut him a month and a half later. That was a mistake because uh, he actually got claimed for $47 uh, a day later. So, um, and now the rest is history. So that was a big yikes by my squad. Another name or a couple, another couple names to mention Keyshawn Johnson, who got selected with the last pick of the third round, uh, wide receiver for the Cardinals really hasn't done much of anything. Maybe just a special teams player, but then we all know who you took with the first pick of the fourth round, Mr. Come on guy. <laughs> Drew Locke. <laughs> yes. Come on, guy. And I know we'll event do you have it in the trade section about what I traded him for? Um Yeah, it looks yeah. like you do. Okay, I'll 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 get to that point. But yeah, come on, guy. He was uh 
he was hyped up for Denver uh, and did not do good any of his three years in Denver. But, yeah, that was that was my 2019 draft. Uh, I got Damian Harris, who I cut, Keyshawn Johnson, who I cut, and <laughs> Drew Locke, who I traded. Rough, man. I uh, I don't know. I, I, I would say that, again, you're thinking about your future here, but we were all learning, um, being a part of a league like this, so – um, completely understandable. Let's dive into your first year. I know I kind of have your rookie drafts right there, but I'm just going to kind of go based off a of projection or just based off of what actually went down. So you finished off 2019 at six and seven. You just missed the playoffs. Uh, Sturt Daddy was actually um, the last one to get in. Um, must have lost on a tiebreaker. But what are some notable things you can maybe talk about or remember from that first year? Yeah, so I'm going to load it up here just so we can kind of feel my pain with that. But, um, so, as I'm taking a look here, I did finish 8th. Uh, I finished with the exact same record as Sturt Daddy. Uh, I lost out to him on the tiebreaker by 120 points. Um, if you kind of take a look at who my team was at the end of the year, I had Mahomes and Tannehill. So Mahomes in the that would have been the what twenty nineteen season, yeah. Finishes the quarterback seven. Um, I think this was beginning. Yeah, this was the first year in which Tannehill transitioned over to being the Titans' starting quarterback. Um, so he was somewhat valuable there. Saquon finishes the running back ten. Uh, Chris Carson running back twelve. Keenan the wide receiver six. Um, no, nah, he's not really important. Uh, Ronald Jones running back 26. I think I got some value out of Adrian Peterson, who was with Seattle that year. Um, yeah, he finished as the running back 2034. We already made mention of Naheem Hines as well. Um, my roster wasn't like overly stacked. If you look at who my starters would be, it would have been on a weekly basis. Mahomes, Barkley, Carson, Allen, probably Curtis Samuel. Um, yeah, my taxi squad was shit. My injury reserve was garbage. I did have TJ Watt, so he was good. However, IDP scoring wasn't that high. I had Chase Edmonds, Naheem Hines, we already made mention of before. A lot of guys that were just giving me a lot of mediocre performances. Um, like I said, I finished six and seven. Uh, I scored 1,900 points though, 1925, which was actually the second highest score of points for. Oh nope, that was points against. So I was the I gave up the second most points. Uh, regarding points scored though, I had the third lowest score for that. So clearly, I uh, I wasn't doing anything to kind of offset the amount of points that I gave up. Uh, but yeah, overall, it was a pretty disappointing performance. Obviously, finishing six and seven, the exact same record as the six seed, isn't good. Um, and when you miss the playoffs like that and give up so many points, it's kind of demoralizing. Um, so there wasn't really anything of positive note from that season, besides the fact that Mahomes played great and Saquon played good as well. You did make some tra make some trades there in that first year, um, kind of. One thing I kind of forgot to maybe talk about as we were looking at that first season, 
Um, but in that year, you started to look ahead towards the future and starting to build those assets. Mm-hmm. So you look at um, you look at that first trade that I kind of have as being one of the main ones. Um, you acquired Julio Jones, and what ended up being the um, the first second round pick of 2020, and you sent away Stephon Diggs and your first round. Jesus pick. Christ. Yeah, building for the future, that's definitely not what I was doing with that trade because, oh, God, I didn't even hold on to Julio. Um, If you look at how Julio did in that 2019 season, just to kind of put a little salt in the vein, 2019, he did finish as the wide receiver three. He was still with Atlanta. That was actually his last full season with Atlanta because 2020, he only played, played nine games. Um Good lord. So I got a second from it, which ended up eventually trading, I think. But I sent away Stefan Diggs, who I can't believe I did that. If I had him right now, that would be huge. And I also sent away a 106, just to kind of upgrade with Julio for a temporary band-aid almost. Um, he wasn't a league winner by any means, clearly, because I didn't even make the playoffs. I was basically shooting to just make the playoffs at that point. So that was just a not good trade, to be honest. Because, yeah, you didn't even have Julio on your team for more than a month. Yeah. Because <laughs> that fast forward to November. Okay, so on November 6th, Randy, this I think this was like literally right around the trade deadline. And Randy was literally pushing all of his chips to the middle of the table and said, look, I will take Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. And in return, you ended up getting Curtis Samuel. Uh, a 2020 first, a 2020 second, and a 2020 for 2021 third round pick. Um, so, what's important about that is you did get a late first, a late second there to again try to make up for those losses. But again, it doesn't even offset the. If you look back at the first trade I made, which was giving away digs. I basically gave away Diggs for, what, Curtis Samuel, a first, a second. That probably accounted to nothing. So I don't even know what I was doing, to be honest. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but 2019 was definitely not my year to make good trades, it looks like. Well, you did make one trade, and I, I kind of keep backtracking here, and I don't have it listed as what, you know, what I want to maybe discuss, but... Um, you and I were talking, and this was me, again, trying to get more comfortable and making trades. And I think I was literally driving over to uh, central Wisconsin at the time. But in this trade, you acquired TJ Watt, who we all know is probably the top IDP score. Yep. Um, you got Harrison Smith hmm. and then Adrian Peterson. And then in return, you sent off Logan Ryan, who was a respectful cornerback. Uh, I think he was playing for the Titans at the time. You sent away Paul Richardson, who isn't even in the league anymore. <laughs> and then you also, sent, you also sent away uh, a future third and a future fourth. So you did do good there in that regard in, 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 as far as trying to upgrade that position. And I would say notably TJ Watt was the, was the um, top prize there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, wow. That's a throwback <laughs> of a lot of names. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of us were starting to get comfortable with with who players were and putting our own personal value on it. But 
Um, all, those are always fun to look back on. For sure. Um, so going to the off season. All right. So you missed the playoffs. Looking ahead to the future. So first trade that I have down here is come on guy. We're moving on from come on guy. He's going on to Cascade Bear. Wow, you got a you got a one oh three for Drew Locke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. So I'm sure I'm gonna rattle his tail feathers a little bit when we get Jake on for his episode, but just to kind of preview, so not all trades have been as astronomically bad as the ones I made in the first year. Uh, so I believe, if I recall correctly, I traded away two seconds to to Jake because he wanted to get more draft capital for the 103. Um, I also attached Drew Lock with it. Um, but regardless, I ended up getting the 103 with it. And... Uh, I'd assume that to be a good trade. Oh, yeah, because then what you ended up deciding to do was continuing your upgrades. So the next trade that went down, because you were just slinging away, was you acquired DeAndre Hopkins and the first um, – hold on here. Yeah, the 201 in 2020, you shipped off Keenan Allen, your boy Keenan Allen – that 103 pick who actually ended up being J.K. Dobbins mm-hmm. in 208. Yeah. So tell me what was going through your head when you were trying to make this move. Uh, well, DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, it goes without saying, he's been one of the top wide receivers for multiple years, 2017-1, one, 2018-2, 2019-4, 2024. So he's a top, top, top five wide receiver for four straight years. Um, I obviously got a little bit of production with that. Uh, Keenan Allen, I know he is my guy, but I was trying to just capitalize on top-level talent, which is why I went after DeAndre Hopkins um, at that time. It did come at a cost, obviously, with giving away the 103, which I believe ended up being J.K. Dobbins. Um, But I I did feel very good about that trade at the the point. Um, If you look at it right now, Sterk is definitely the winner, knowing he got Keenan Allen and um, and J.K. Dobbins. I don't really know what the 208 turned into, but uh, I consider him to win the trade. But again, at the time, I was just trying to increase the level of my my wide receivers. <clears throat> because because there's been so many trades, if you really want to know who 208 actually was, yeah. A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon in that year was 208. Uh, oh um, God! Okay. And, you, and, you, and even looking at two hundred one, because I think you acquired that pick. What's weird is that Sterk actually ended up making that pick, and he ended up taking uh, Henry Ruggs. Yeah. So, again, we're hopping all over the place. Lots of trades. Lots of things going on. Um, what can you tell me about the Michael Gallup and Curtis Samuel swap? Yeah. So that deal, looking back. Um, I mean, if you look at the players individually, Michael Gallup, I got, is better than Curtis Samuel. It's been proven. I know they've both been pretty banged up, but Curtis Samuel, he's been injured way more. Um, Andy ended up getting my 111, though, which <clears throat> ultimately I believe I ended up getting back anyways uh, in, the Jerry, oh, uh, in the Jerry Judy. I don't know. I took Jerry Judy with the 110, so okay, one pick later. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I clearly I had to have seen something in Michael Gallup. This was before CD Lamb, obviously. Uh, Michael Gallup. So this would be 2019, coming off of. He was the wide receiver 22. I might have priced him a little higher than he probably was valued at, knowing that he went 38th, 77 the next two years. Um, he was a 10th round pick for Andy, which is kind of odd. Uh, probably another trade that looking back doesn't look the best. I think Michael Gallup is for sure better than Curtis Samuel, but the 111 uh, definitely is another valuable asset. So Michael Gallup didn't end up even playing on your team because I think you traded him away in February of that year. And then in June or late June, you ended up trading him to Tyler. Mm. And in return, you got Adam Thielen and Jameson Crowder. Mm. Jameson Crowder has been a pretty solid stud for PPR purposes. Not every year, but... Um... Just what else did we have go down? Oh, oh yeah, wow. I kind of want I kind of want to talk about this one, um, just because I just look back on it and just being like, what the actual fuck were you <laughs> trying to sell? So I picked up Corey Davis off of waivers in my in that first year. Yeah, and I remember being in Fargo, North Dakota at the time, not even in front of a computer, and it's like I'm getting these text messages from Logan. Hey, bro. Yeah. Hey, just want to let you know that Taysom Hill is going to get a tight end eligibility this year. It's been proven. It's been said. And I'm like, okay. And he said, well, what could you offer me? So here I am just like in the middle of Fargo, North Dakota. And I'm like, well, damn, I don't know. Corey Davis sound good. Yeah, let's do that. So we literally made the move. And I, again, check my notes later or I check online later. And it's like, well, ESPN was giving him the tight end designation but not sleeper so what the actual fuck <laughs> hey i'm i'm not making this up i did see it in some of the sleeper forums that he was getting tight end eligibility he never ended up getting it so looking back it does look a little bit shady like i fucked you i promise you though i promise that i did read it in the forums on sleeper literally i can looking at the group right now it is called fantasy football q a and it's part of sleeper and i'm not talking q and on i'm talking q and a it was in there and people were talking about it oh man never again <laughs> regardless though that you did end up getting really you got both those players i mean you traded uh Taysom eventually to to justin but you ended up getting Corey davis back so yeah, and, and 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 ultimately, I guess I guess I kind of made up for it. But at the time, I was just I was I remember just being as frustrated as can be, and just being like, "What the hell did I just do?" Yeah. But that's again one of those you know moments you can look back upon and laugh. Yeah, for um, sure. Another another player, a couple players that I don't think ever really played on your team, um, kind of on that Michael Gallup category, was guys like Melvin Gordon and then Crowder as well. Yeah, wow. I think Crowder. Crowder, you ended up moving um, later in August where you shipped off – or actually, you acquired Crowder to start the year. So, um, hold, no, hold on here. Well, regardless, so, Melvin Gordon, I, don't even, I honestly don't even remember playing him for one game. So, yeah, because Gordon, you, you 
you basically acquired um, August 28th, and you sent off Jameson Crowder, a 2021 third, and a 2022 second. Hmm. And then you ended up trading him off in November of that year. Yeah. So he, he did he did maybe start a few games there. Um, Jameson Crowder. So Jameson Crowder never played for your team. Mm-hmm. He ended up going to Sturk. So again, uh, you you were making trades left and right. I think people were just like, wow, he's just trading everybody. Um, most importantly, I think the most important trade of that year was getting that Mahomes and Kelsey tandem together. Mm-hmm. You acquired Kelsey. Andy ended up getting Ingram, the 205 that year in that rookie draft, who ended up being, I'm just kind of going back here, who ended up being Michael Pittman Jr., who's now on your team, and then a 2021 third. So mm-hmm. I think the, the most notable trade of that, that offseason was getting Kelsey. For sure. Yeah, Kelsey, and he definitely pr- produced for me with the, the following season being the literal only season I've made the playoffs, um, which we're eventually going to get to. But, you know, having the Kelsey-Mahomes stack, I can definitely say was a pleasure, and that's for sure. Uh, obviously, Evan Ingram was not going to get it done. I Honestly, I don't even know what it was that got Andy to agree to that deal. Um, I, I know we went back and forth for probably like a couple hours, but it wasn't like very long. There wasn't a lot of the discussion that was held, um, but eventually, I mean, I ended up getting. I think she was kind of in a rebuild, so which ended up with her trading away McCaffrey, as we're gonna eventually talk about in her episode and Danny's. Um, but she was in a rebuild, so she was kind of taking the perspective of what I did, which was trying to trade for young young tight ends, which is why I drafted Evan Ingram in the in the in the beginning. So let's move out of the trades. Let's move to the 2020 season. Lots of expectations looking to build off of that sixth and seventh finish from the year before. You finished the year eight and five. So if I go down the line here through week eight, I'm sure you're feeling really good about this. Through week eight, you were six and two. And then some some of the matchups started to fall. You finished that year two and three with a couple defeats to Sturk Daddy. Uh, Danny, and then he also uh, looks like you fell to um, Spaceball. So Spaceballs beat you in week 12 oh of that year. God. But regardless of the point, yeah. you ended up finishing 8-5. and five. You made the playoffs. Hmm. So as the fourth overall seed, that pitted you up against D-Slack. And unfortunately, you lost in that opening round matchup. Bro, fuck D-Slack. He's like my he's my biggest rival right now because, God, it, that that team I thought I, I mean if you look at the scores and in the in the future weeks there's not a chance I was getting it like I also didn't set my lineup for the fifth place game but I scored 115 points but D Slacky pulls off the upset where you again said it was a was it a, it was a three over no four over five so it wasn't like that big of an upset but. Oh my! I scored two. I scored two thousand points. I was one of only three teams to score two thousand points. You had a bunch of teams that scored nineteen hundred, but I for sure thought my team was going to be legit. Um, if you look at my lineup in week, uh, it would have been fourteen. So that's round one. So I had like Mahomes, but 
I guess, to be honest, like looking at my running backs, I had Ronald Jones and Wayne Gallman. But combined, they scored 25 points. Thielen, Corey Davis, Kelsey, Connor, Hopkins. I mean, like, obviously, looking back, a lot of those guys, he, they're pretty inconsistent. Like, th- But Thielen scoring me 6.9 points was was not good. That's for sure. Uh, if you look at 2020, like, he scored me 9 points in that week. And then in, like, the, the previous three weeks, excluding week 14, he scored me at least 20. So that definitely didn't help me either. Um, Kelsey obviously did his thing. James Conner, what is this? 1.8 points. Like, that week was kind of an anomaly of, of what my season was. But ultimately, uh, I I did have a pretty successful season. It was very, very streaky, if I recall, where I was just doing a lot of win-loss, 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 win-loss. Uh, but, I mean, it's another disappointing season. The fact that I was the four seed. I thought my team was definitely a title contender. People were calling me a title contender. I definitely didn't do that. So going into the offseason, it was definitely very frustrating. And I don't think it really would have mattered what would have happened in the semifinals the following week because that's the week that Sterk went off for yeah, 194. And in that, in, that year, in that year, that's I think the biggest splash of the trade deadline was the Tyree Kill trade. So this was when he literally went on a run and he finished off. I think he did not lose again after week seven. So um, very frustrating year. And I know you had talked about kind of the the performance that Thielen put on for you in that semifinal matchup. Yeah. So you looked ahead to the off season. Okay. And there, there is one trade that I know you don't like to talk about it. I know there's a there's a lot of you know things that obviously haven't happened, mm-hmm. but what you wanted to do and you had the the possibility of doing this was you had DeAndre Hopkins mm. and you're thinking to yourself, hey, I want to pair up DeAndre Hopkins with another wide receiver that's going to get me to the top. What I'm talking about here is the infamous Michael Thomas trade. Mm. So walk me through that trade if you remember a little bit about it. I know you don't like talking about it, but it does have some impact on how your team has kind of gone since then. Yeah, I mean, Travis, or uh, not Travis Kelsey, uh, Michael Thomas is just collecting dust on my roster at this point. Um, But sent away Adam Thielen coming off a disappointing end to his season, also was getting up there in age. So I figured, you know, sending him away would not be that big of a deal. Ronald Jones, there was a lot of question marks about him being a running back. Uh, Corey Davis, I felt I needed to send home after the infamous Taysom Hill trade. Um, but, like, Michael Thomas, I again, was trying to get myself another top-tier wide receiver to pair along with DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I had DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes just – Pretty stacked, to be honest. And Saquon. Can't forget about Saquon. Um, I was pretty stacked on paper when you look at all those guys and their names. And then, of course, Michael Thomas decided to put himself into the drama sphere. And he's done literally nothing for me productive uh, since I acquired him from you. Now, this is a perfect example for those of you that are listening. In terms of if you have an aging veteran... Uh, getting out too early is better than too late. 
And Will, I think you definitely did an outstanding job of getting out of Michael Thomas before it was too late. Because now, even if you got him back, you probably wouldn't have to buy him for very much. It'll be curious to see if he continues to be a part of the bat of your team moving forward. Um, well, the point is, like right now, I can't, I, I can't afford to trade him because the value I'm, I would actually get on him. Yes, the potential is there, but I mean, he hasn't played in what year and a half, so I'm not going to get like anything from him. And that's exactly it. That's that's probably one of the biggest things when it comes to dynasty football. It's just making sure that you're careful. Um, but lessons learned regardless. Um, just kind of, I'm kind of hopping around here. We, we had the rookie draft in 2021. That was the year where I believe you, you were in a lottery team. So you were looking at wide receivers. You're looking at players that were maybe left after the first few picks. Your first rookie pick of that year in 2021 Are was... Are you talking 2020 or 2021? Oh, shoot. I, I kind of hopped a little bit here, didn't I? Oh, no worries. You can just jump back. We, I only had three picks in 2020, so... Yeah, let me go back here. Because we, we didn't discuss the... We didn't discuss the Judy... Yeah, and that was the 2020 offseason, which was, again, after the year in which I kind of sent a bunch of key pieces away, um, got some rookie picks. A lot of shuffling just for me to make three picks. So Jerry Judy being a notable there, um, doesn't look like he's – I'm just kind of going hopping around here, Logan. Yeah. So probably- well, Jerry – I mean, Jerry Judy, he – in a way, he's a key piece of my team because he does have a pretty high potential right now. At the end of the day, it really just comes down to who his quarterback is. If it continues to be like a Teddy Bridgewater or a Drew Locke, or even throw in there like a Jimmy Garoppolo, Carson Wentz, he's not going to be able to maximize his potential. You throw a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers in there or Russell Wilson, his dynasty outlook completely changes in my eyes. That's why I kind of value him right now. I'm definitely open to trade him. And that would be based off of people, you know, uh, kind of trying to capitalize on his potential. Regarding his output, though, he's been kind of mediocre in Denver. So a couple more names from that rookie draft in 2020. Um, Jalen Hurts. Bro, that was uh, a steal. Draft at 407. That was quite the steal. And then... Javon Kinlaw, who was a pretty long and lanky uh, defensive lineman for the Niners, uh, doesn't look to be a part of your team anymore. Nope. Uh, but that was just some notable names from that draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, it looks like you looks like you dropped him a year later. Yeah. Um. So let me let's see where I let him kind of I kind of let him kind of milk it out on my taxi squad and didn't really find a roster spot for him, so I just let him go. Sure. Do we want to hop back into that rookie draft from last year? Yeah, for sure. So, in that rookie draft from last year, you took Rashad Bateman at 110, yep. who got what, former Minnesota Gopher, guy that I was high on, um, got hurt in training camp and didn't quite make an impact until the middle of the year. Nope. But he definitely made an impact, that's for sure. He was – I know that Mark, Mark Andrews is – the go-to guy when it comes to passing. Um, but Bateman definitely made his presence known with Baltimore. 
Um, I'm excited to see what he what he can do in 2022. Um, I know a lot, probably like four or five teams, have um, inquired about Rashad Bateman. The fact that he was a pretty high pick in the NFL draft, um, and you know Baltimore, they do run the ball a lot, but Bateman was very good. I am definitely willing to move Bateman. I would say that Bateman has a higher price point than Judy, but he's definitely available. You took Diami Brown at two hundred four, and it's in the trade that you made with me. Um, He's now no longer part of your team, but I would argue that the steal of the draft would be Amon Ross St. Brown, who you got at the 210. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll I'm, player, I love that. That'll him. definitely be a fair watch. I love Rama, Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, I'm going to be a little bit nervous because I think it's almost inevitable that the Lions are going to draft one, if not both, of the following two options either another wide receiver or a quarterback. Um, the Lions have multiple first-round picks this year. I don't believe with their early pick they're going to take a quarterback or a wide receiver. That would be kind of foolish, to be honest. Um, but honestly, uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown. He had a unbelievable playoff. Um, and, and I've definitely... I've definitely valued him very, very high going into this offseason. I haven't had anybody reach out about him. Uh, but Because I, again, have so many wide receivers, I'd be open to moving him. But I think the price point for him is even higher than Rashad Bateman. Uh, which is kind of funny because he was taken an exact one round later than Bateman. Uh, but he was unbelievable. He, If you're talking redraft, he literally won some people leagues. Uh, he ended up finishing, I believe, as like the wide receiver 23 or something like that. And that purely comes from his end of the season run where he was just unbelievable for Detroit. Last thing I want to talk about or last name that I want to bring up is Pat Fryermuth, who is that um, tight end, uh, future tight end for um, the Steelers. Now that Big Ben is gone and you know it's going to be kind of curious to see uh, what happens there if it's going to end up being um, a premier guy or if it's going to end up being a rookie? That'll be a name to watch moving forward. Mm-hmm. So we talked we talked about the Michael Thomas or Michael Thomas trade. Um, just kind of looking here through the spreadsheet here, Logan. I don't see anything too notable um, other than a David Johnson for Paris Campbell swap with Sturk. <laughs> yeah, um, both of them are kind of washes. I mean, I have. I have David Johnson now, but Darius, uh, Paris Campbell, um, I know Sturk's been trying to send him back to me, but, but he's been injured like his entire career. He did have some high potential, but not really in the market for a wide receiver right now, unless his name is Traylon Burks or Garrett Wilson. Um, <laughs> but yeah, David John. I mean, David Johnson actually played pretty solid when he was given the work in Houston. Um, he's obviously aged, but anybody that's, you know, wanting to take David Johnson from me for like a third or something like that can hit me up. So there's a couple big names here in 2021 Mm -hmm. last year. 
and just kind of going off of the season results on what was happening with your team, I think you started the year 0-4. So I don't know if panic set in. I don't know yep. if it was just like, man, I'm 0-4. I have all these great pieces. I'm literally shooting myself in the foot. <laughs> we start moving into some of these bigger names. Uh, you realize that Travis Kelsey being at his age – probably was best to get the most that you could for him. And in return, you get two first round picks and a guy that I'm really big on in no offense um, to kind of look towards the future. Yeah. Yeah. No offense has been, I would say my day in day out starting tight end. Um, I obviously drafted Pat Fryermuth, who has been an asset to my team. Uh, Fant was a guy that is, Definitely, he's in the range of like a kind of like a TJ Hawkinson, but like a cheap version of him, I guess. Um, but Fant and Jerry Judy fall in the exact same category. It's end of the day, it's going to fall into, um, you know, who is the quarterback. I think the key piece that I took away from this trade was definitely the two firsts. Uh, Danny was kind of all in. In taking Travis Kelsey, you can relate to this with Michael Thomas. It's better to get out too early than too late. Obviously, Kelsey still had a very solid season with Kansas City, uh, but I'm I'm not looking about competing right now. So as you can see, that it was about asset gaining through picks and then in youth. Um, I do like the trade. Looking back, I don't really consider Noah Fant to be my tight end of the future at this exact moment. But I do like that I did get out of Travis Kelsey, who was not going along with kind of what my vision is, uh, what some would say, too early. So if we remember last year in Baltimore, running backs were dropping like flies. Okay, so Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins. So... Sterk, I remember, was blowing through Fab. Yep. <laughs> and he, he was literally down. It's like Randy with the free agent running backs. And in return, you said, hey, I'm 0-4. I want to look ahead to next year. I would like to, I would like to inquire about J.K. Dobbins. Mm-hmm. And now you have a really nice piece moving forward here. You sent away Saquon and a future second in return, yeah. but I think the picks and I think J.K. really seal this this deal for you. Yeah, if J.K. comes back completely healthy um, to go along with kind of what my vision is of my team, I think this really this really works out. I think J.K. Dobbins, if I had to say right now with not knowing anything at all about how he's going to be on the field, I would argue he's my running back one right now. Um, obviously I have the 101 as we're going to talk about coming up, but J.K. Dobbins, I'd value him more than Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I'd value him more than Travis Etienne. Um, I'd value him more than, I thought I had four key running backs, but I'd for sure value him more than those two. Um, obviously coming off of a severe injury. Nothing is guaranteed, but I also got those picks to go along with it. Obviously, Saquon helped Sterk uh, compete and, again, get himself back in the title game. Um, you know, am I saying that 
J.K. Dobbins is better of an asset than Saquon? No. If we consider them even linear, though, I did get some assets to go along with it. It could, could, could turn out to be completely bad if Saquon does return back to his rookie season, but he hasn't proven that yet. He's been injured as well. So um, Tyson Williams, I, I ended up cutting. It is what it is. Um, but again, this is another asset addition move. So much like me, you got sick and tired of Jackson Mahomes' TikTok videos. So you, in that same week, said, all right, Patrick Mahomes, I'm done. Don't need that shit anymore. So you sent him off with James Conner to the Sladkey. You ended up getting CEH and Ryan Tannehill and yep. a fur for this year. And to be, to be honest, this is this might be the trade I, I regret the most. Um, even with me doing this complete youth movement, uh, Patrick Mahomes definitely would have been a player that could go along with my rebuild. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is one of the top quarterbacks, but he is so young that it really would have gone along with my with my rebuild. And I kind of shot myself there because Ryan Tannehill is now my quarterback one, and he is not a player that goes along with my current team outlook. Uh, Clyde Edwards' lair was solid, I should say. Um, but honestly, if I didn't have Clyde Edwards' lair, I would have one less running back, young running back. Uh, but this is one trade I wish I, honestly, I wish I could have gotten back. Additionally, because James Conner by himself, I probably could have gotten more from, to be honest. Uh, this might be my worst. If you look at like the ramifications that happened from it, I think this might be one of my worst, if not the worst, trades I've made in this league. But obviously... With you, like with me, who is completely different than a player like Ryan, who doesn't trade at all. I trade a lot, and yep. at some point you got to be able to cut your losses. Um, but this is one I definitely wish I could have had back and at least reanalyzed. Well, James Conner had a very quiet beginning to 2021, and then I would say that Packer game is where we saw him take off. And now he's a guy that I'm just like, man, do even for a guy like myself, do I do I look at capitalizing on his big year or is it a risky move? I guess time will tell. But yeah, it's it's something that you learn from. I'd be curious. I mean, I mean it's not going to be a really good uh, quarterback draft here. No. I'd be curious with your future assets here if you might try to make a move for a quarterback yeah. just to try and maybe, you know, re, you know, get get those points back that Mahomes might have maybe given you there but um honestly oh sorry I apologize um if if you're looking at this year's draft and the quarterbacks that are available um you you're accurate on saying it's completely shit compared to previous years I have locked in on who I consider to be my top dynasty quarterback. I have three firsts right now. I will be taking that quarterback, if available, with one of the three. Um, if not, the rest of the quarterbacks are just kind of a crapshoot. So. While we're on that topic of quarterbacks, you did send off Jalen Hurts to Cascade, which 
Jalen Hurts is a good fantasy quarterback. He gets you all of those running back or running running rushing yards, but is he really the long term answer in Philadelphia? You did get a first in that package deal. I'm just kind of looking for the specifics of that deal. Maybe yeah. you have it more on your mind than I do. But it looks like you sent off AJ Green, Jalen Hurts, um, future picks, and you ended up acquiring famous Jameis, who might have a job next year, yeah. especially since Tampa's going to be looking for a quarterback. Marlon Mack, uh, uh, Slayton, and then you got that first. So I think, again, to highlight that trade, you really covered that first. Um, and, and now you got it. Yeah. Uh, this is another deal that honestly, looking back, I know Jalen Hurts. You made mention that the hit, the you know the future of the Eagles in the quarterback room is kind of unknown. Uh, but Jalen Hurts again is another player that could have matched my kind of my identity. If I had Mahomes and Hurts, I'd feel pretty good right now, even without uh, Tannehill. To be honest, if I wasn't comfortable with those two, um, I would have I would have been fine honestly with my depth. So, again, hopping around, apologize for that. Um, you finished last year 4-10. and 10. It wasn't the year that you wanted. You started the year 0-4. Um, the rest of the way, you went 4-6. and six. You had some very interesting games um, you know, or matchups against teams here in this league. In fact, you in the last year, you can say you played spoiler. You, you yeah. knocked me out of the playoffs with a surprising 31-point victory. There's no way you're going to let down um, and you were going to focus in on doing whatever it took to try and get me out. And sure enough, you did that. Some, some things to obviously look forward to to next year. Um, again, you got, you got lots of young pieces um, and, and lots, lots of players that are up and coming. And, you know, honestly, who knows what, what can come of that. Mm-hmm. Um kind of fast forwarding here to the draft you won the lottery yep we got all six of us together you won the lottery you got 101 and then in other deals that we have done and apologize for not listing all of the trades you got three first round picks this year yep putting eighth overall as well the 11th overall then you got a third round pick and 602 Mm -hmm. so so looking looking ahead you you, you had mentioned that you're going to maybe look to see what might be out there for quarterbacks in the rookie draft. Yeah. Um, as I look right now, Logan, there, there are some, you know, your strength is obviously your young wide receiver core between yeah. St. Brown, Judy, Claypool, <clears throat> Mooney, uh, Devonte Smith, who we, who you acquired in a trade, uh, Rashad Bateman, Michael Pittman. Um, again, there, and there's always Michael Thomas too. You can only start four wide receivers Correct. on a weekly basis. So what, what are your thoughts here moving forward? Just trying to find the best four wide receivers there, or, or what are you thinking? Yeah, um, I know I made mention to – well, first of all, kind of to backtrack on the quarterback perspective, I know for a fact if I really, really wanted to, I could sell a bunch of assets to get a quarterback to help me out. I know you and I – and. I think we both feel comfortable talking about this, but you and I have definitely had pretty deep conversations about one of your quarterbacks. Um, and, you know, actually two of your quarterbacks, to be honest, um, with the second and third string guys. With the first, because I, and rightfully so, your first string guy is higher priced. But um, 
you know, I feel like if I if I wanted to get a, a quarterback of, of that, I could definitely do so. Uh, the issue right now is if you look at my depth, my second and third string quarterbacks are not of value. Cam Newton uh, is he even going to get signed. Jameis, kind of the same thing. I assume he'll get signed, but it might be as a backup role. Um, so it's just going to be a matter of am I comfortable with just kind of using a draft pick on one probably this year and next or trying to make it a trade for it. Um, going back to what you made mention of with the wide receivers, I feel like I have a lot of guys with high potential. So if there's any teams in this league that see a lot of these guys and are like, oh, I want to capitalize on that potential. Honestly, I would try to – I would package two of them for one as long as it's one of the higher tier guys, knowing that, you know, maybe they're trying to improve their depth. I would say that all of the running back – the wide receivers that you highlighted do provide some depth, um, especially for teams that are lacking in that area. Wide receiver you obviously should have more depth in because there are more players and more flyers available for it. Um, but, I mean – who would you say for my wide receiver is your favorite of the group for whatever reason? doesn't mean they have the best, but what's your favorite? As far as potential, if I had to put a price on your most expensive wide receiver right now, it would be Devontae Smith. Interesting. Okay. And um, is I, it just because he kind of goes along with Jalen Hurts or because of like his draft capital that the Eagles spent on him? I just think the Eagles, you know, investing into him, and I think just kind of look to see what they do here moving forward with that offense. Yeah, He's a guy, I would say, like out of all of these that, I mean, Pittman is up there as well. I would say, though, Smith would probably be one, Pittman two. And then again, that situation with whatever happens in Denver as they try to you know lure Rodgers away, um, those would be your top three. Yeah. Those would be the three that I would say right now, like, those are guys that I would maybe try to, you know, stick around. But again, I know in order to improve in other spots, you're going to have to maybe include them maybe in on, in on some offers. So I look at your other receivers, maybe Randy might be interested in a, in a homecoming for Laquan Treadwell, yeah, maybe yeah. looking uh, if there's a quarterback there that would suit your fancy. But yeah. no, I, I mean, I, I would tell you, I, I really like probably, Smith the most out of your receivers. Okay. So, and then again with tight ends, you got two very good tight ends in Fant and Fryermuth. Mm-hmm. Um, Elder O also being another name to watch. Um, hey, in Denver. Honestly, if Albert O went to any other NFL team that doesn't have a starter, he is actually pretty solid from the tape I've seen. I know Joe really, really likes him. Um, I feel like. He if he was on a starting role, he'd be pretty valuable. Um, even even him being like a second fiddle tight end with the Broncos, he was pretty solid at the end of the year. He had, I don't, it was solid for a tight end, which you know is a maybe maybe if you complement him with uh, Brevin Jordan down in Houston, that could be a place where he could definitely yeah. thrive. But again. Who knows what year three will look like? There. You wouldn't like him in Green, um, Green Bay, would you? Because of, uh, of Tunyon? I mean, Tunyon is a free agent. Oh, um, I did not know that. Packers, Packers, are, Packers are very thin right now at the moment. Um, he Bro, could can you definitely... imagine that? Albert O and Jerry Judy are like the wide receiver one and the, and the tight end one for the Green Bay Packers. 
That'd be wild. It would be wild. I know that they're probably going to have to be included if Denver is serious in wanting to get Rodgers, yeah. but we'll save that for another day. Yeah. Um, so just looking forward here, you have a lot of very young pieces that are definitely attractive as far as, you know, maybe trying to upgrade in other spots. So for 2022, you're looking to get back to the playoffs, obviously, but I'd be curious right now what you want to do with this team. Yeah, so honestly, um, I'm I, obviously I don't tank. I don't I don't do that. Um, I set forward my best my my best lineup. I think I think you guys can kind of see that from my lineups. But um, my goal for making the playoffs is probably 2024. I I think this is going to be a three year process where 2024. I'm actually fighting for the playoffs obviously if i stumble into the playoffs it you know it's great um but if you look at my team's breakdown a decent amount has to happen with my running backs to actually get to the playoffs i'm definitely gonna steal some wins this year i would say because it's just the the nature of fantasy football in terms of actually like trying to contend for a, a deep playoff run I feel like that's not going to happen until 2024. I don't have any picks in 2024, which could end up happening if I trade back. Um, we'll kind of have to see what I do in this year's draft, whether that be using my picks or trading back as well. Um, but I feel like 2024 is really going to be my goal to, to start, you know, seeing how my team's going to do and then eventually fighting for the playoffs. I hope I can get there. Obviously not making it my first year was kind of, demoralizing and then my second year I made it and was a first round exit last year I obviously was really really bad because I was in the middle of a rebuild but obviously with my current goal it is to rebuild I am not even close to contending um, even if I tried to trade some of my players for vets that wouldn't really make any sense knowing how much I have in draft picks so I'm trying to get deep and then also condense together for some of those top tier younger players What's really nice for you, Logan, is you look to next year, maybe a year from now, and we kind of review your team. If you finish 7-7 seven, seven this weekend, great. That gives you a chance at the money. It gives you a chance at the trophy. But I look at those 2023 first-round picks, and I, I can tell you right now, I think we're going to have a lot better prospects to be discussing here in about a year from now. So, um, again, we might, we might see a quarterback just come on the horizon next year and you know, that, that could always be, you know, this year could just be your bridge. You could, you could try another year with Tannehill. You can, you know, it, if Winston gets, ends up getting a job somewhere, that's, that's definitely a good bridge to what's to come. But yeah. I think in terms of pick capital, you're in really good shape. Yeah. So that's, that's something to look forward to and something to be excited about. And it's always fun to start planning ahead. It really sure. is. Um, do you have any further notes that you want to add about your team here before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, I'm as you can tell from my my trade numbers, so I'm I'm gonna pull it up right here. Um, the number of trades I have made in this league, if this would work, I'm gonna move this up here. So I have made a total of forty nine trades. So whoever I make the next trade with gets the honor of saying they are the 50th trade of my team. But if you look at my record, I'm 18-23 and 23 overall. 
Only about a 43% win percentage. I've made the playoffs once. I got bounced in the first round. Um, I've had one mediocre season. I've had one, or I guess we shouldn't even say two mediocre season. I've had one season which I kind of threw in the towel. Um, but as you know from my team and you know from my persona, I'm always open to trades. Uh, the second most trades by a team is Sterk with 39. So um, I'm, I still have 10 more trades than him, which Ryan has only made 11 trades. So um, I'm always willing to trade as long as it kind of goes along with what my perspective is. I refuse to be ripped off. I refuse to negotiate if I'm going to be screwed. Uh, people definitely know that obviously with me being the commissioner i try to be as professional as i can with negotiations but um i mean you know it best i always am am willing to trade and and hopefully ultimately make my team better in the long run absolutely man that's what this is all about trying to get that nice looking trophy i uh i kind of had to laugh at that photo of jake now um standing in front of that bar probably <laughs> local watering hole there in cascade harvard lights not 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 a sponsor but <laughs> that's 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 exactly what we're trying to do here um trying to get that that prize so with that i think we're going to conclude tonight's episode uh thanks for joining us uh logan who will be joining us next week so it's either gonna be you or justin are you gonna are you want to do it next week I mean, I should be available, so I, right. I can definitely next week work. So it looks like next week is going to be Will. He's going to be team number, would it be four? Yeah, four. So Will's going to be team number four, and then Justin will follow with team number five, and then I'll be checking with a couple teams on if they want to be team number six, and we'll be 50% of the way done. Um, for those of you, and this is just a side commissioner note that are keeping count, um, we the the good thing about us doing these team profiles is it's really going to give you guys some entertainment all the way up until the draft. Obviously, we have um, the Senior Bowl just concluded on on Saturday. I tried to give you guys a nice little write up on what I saw. I obviously didn't see all of the practices, but um, you know uh, these episodes. I think it's going to take us all the way up until one week before the NFL draft. So the good thing is we're also going to be able to reflect on the draft combine which is coming up in indianapolis in a couple weeks um will are you are you going to be following the draft combine at all probably not so much i'll i don't really get into the numbers and everything else i just kind of hop on twitter and if i see a mock i'll click on it i'll read some of the player profiles and i honestly just wait until draft night and then i like to see where players go and just start making my notes as far as uh, who's going where and who might be a good fit yeah, for sure. So with that, thank you for joining us this week. I uh, hope everybody has a good and safe week. I'm going to go outside and enjoy some of this nice 45-degree weather. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.